Welcome to the Genius Brewing live stream. This is a live stream that we do some Sunday mornings. We're hopefully going to get back to every single Sunday morning, but uh, you know, life and busyness and stuff. Um, at 8.45 Pacific Standard Time on Sundays in the morning. And uh, we talk about some Genius Brewing news, stuff going on here in, in the tap room. We talk about a beer of the week where we break down a beer style guideline wise. And then we go into a discussion topic, which today's is going to be biotransformation and the new Cosmos yeast from Omega. Mm, uh, super excited about that. Yeah. All right. Another quick uh, for podcast land breakdown of what we got going on. Uh, new seltzers are in ta- on tap. Get in here. Try them. They're delicious. They need to be in your face hole. Uh, we made a mango habanero one this time, and it's, it's going to be good. It's uh, going to knock your socks in the blocks. Definitely will. Punch you in the jeans. Uh, new uh, Count Chocula is on tap. The new one is amazing. Combination uh, of cereal mash with cereal and some awesome flavorings, including some uh, locally sourced, not locally sourced, organic vanilla that comes from a farm. So where that was sourced from was local to itself. Yeah. But it's, it's good vanilla. Amazing vanilla. Yeah. Amazing vanilla. Uh, all right. Uh, now we're on to Beervana. Uh, Beervana is kind of like uh, the Tabor uh, stuff that we got, but we got a uh, beer box from Beervana, which we're going to be doing a video on. Probably, if not on the main channel, then definitely on Genus Not Brewing channel. Be sure to follow that. Uh, basically, they go to a bunch of smaller towns that have uh, smaller breweries that can't distribute, and they grab all those beers up, and they send them out to people nationwide. So check them out. Uh, when he says smaller towns, the one that we got it from was Knoxville, Tennessee. So uh more less known beer towns because i mean knoxville yeah. is not something that pops immediately into my mind as a beer town and i'm sure there's amazing beer there as we're seeing to find out also the farther away you are from something because of perspective the smaller it gets and so from from spokane exactly. knoxville is pretty small i mean pretty i could probably squish it between my fingers i bet you could at least <laughs> what direction would that be uh let's see south and east yeah that, yeah, that was right, somewhere right. Yeah. all right now that we've done that. Uh, we've also been experimenting with freeze distilling. Uh, as you guys have seen before, we got a nice beer fridge from New Air. And so we also got a, uh, an ice, ice maker. maker. And I got this ice maker for a very specific purpose. Not just because we need ice here in the tap room, but also because I've got a really fun application that we'll make a video on. Yeah. And uh, if you didn't hear what he said before, uh, we put some things made from apples into it. And other things came out. And it was delicious. Uh, as an ice maker, it's actually a pretty nice little tabletop ice maker. It's, it's been pretty, uh, pretty good for us here. Heck yeah. So look for that video. Uh, that'll come out at least on the Genus Not Brewing channel or maybe on the Genus Brewing channel. I don't Pro- know. Probably on the main channel. Main channel. Yeah. Well, because the application we're using it for, it's very applicable. Yeah. yeah. It's very applicable on the application that we're using it for. Definitely. USMC Mike 1, thank you so much for the super chat. I appreciate it. We do. All right. So, uh, well, actually, talking about, before we get into what we're going to get into, talking about uh, Beervana sending us beer from small towns that don't have a large distribution footprint that are awesome. This didn't come from Beervana, but it checks all those other marks. We're going to be drinking some Icicle Brewing Company Enchantments Hazy IPA. This is the uh, new one that they just put out, I don't know, maybe like a week ago or something like that. Uh, we actually had somebody that is involved with uh, Icicle Company bring it on in and give it to us. That was amazing. We need to be better friends because I love Leavenworth. Uh, 
and we should we should you know be better friends and send us more beer. Yes. Maybe some darkest persuasion, please. And thank you. I would love that. Uh, so I guess what does that bring us into? Our beer of the week. Bum, 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 beer of the week. Yeah. And today we're doing Rogan beer. Rogan beer is probably one of the most underutilized styles for how good it is, and it's so similar to a Dunkelweizen, so similar to a style that a lot of us know about. And I will take a Rogan beer over Dunkelweizen all the time. If you guys don't know what a Rogan beer is, a Rogan beer is a, uh, a rye beer, usually lagered and usually decoction mashed. And so it's got um, some Hefeweizen style fruitiness to it. It has a very, very wide color range, which not a lot of people expect because people think Dunkelweizen and I think that darker end of the spectrum. Um, but Rogan yeah. beer's got a pretty wide range in terms of color. And basically you're just using that rye spiciness with a offset of that nice banana bread yeast esters that come off. Uh, and you can make that dark, add a little chocolate to that banana bread. That's cool. Um, or you can yeah. leave it light either way. Uh, yeah. Uh, one thing that it does have in there uh, will be a more pronounced malt profile. Um, so you should be catching a big maltiness coming out of these beers before the rye starts taking over. And even some caramely sweetness, although you're not using caramel malts. Uh, one of the traditional ways to make this beer is actually the decoction mash. So you're having that extra Maillard being built. Of course, you don't have to do that. But if you don't do that, please do an extra long boil to still get the Maillard. That is something that is important to this style. Yeah, and it's also going to make it more shelf stable, as we talked about before on the channel. Um, and it's going to, yeah, it's just going to build character and kind of help. If you're going for that banana bread kind of flavor, mm. um, it's going to really help with that. It's going to really help with that. Uh, as well as, you know, just making it a bigger, thicker beer. Uh, unless you're, most of the time you're using regular rye in there. Uh, flaked rye, I also suggest to throw in there a combination of both. In uh, my uh, experience, flaked rye is going to be the more pumpernickel side of the rye, and mm -hmm. regular rye is going to be uh, maybe just a little bit more flat proteins and smaller amount of the spiciness. Yeah. But because of that, you're going to lose a little bit of the body buildings uh, in there because of what rye is. So doing that extra decoction, doing that extra long boil, really boost that body back up, make it uh, make it awesome. Awesome. Now, also talking about that, that is something we got to get in here. Rye is super proteiny, super gummy. Uh, use some risols. Or, yeah, or a combination of risols and an enzyme like ViscoBuster to break down those beta-glucans so that you can get the maximum moderability and get all that good rye flavor out of it. Uh, if you can, get some ViscoBuster or something else like that to break down those uh, good, good proteins into something a lot better. But please, for the love of your own sanity, use some rice holes you're yep. gonna thank yourself when you do if you are do i'll add if you are doing decoction mashing that will help a little bit with lauderability um, but mm -hmm. if you're doing a decoction mash for step mashing then it's going to be extremely unlauderable at those lower temperatures and then as you get it warmed up to that mash out temperature around 70 uh, 170 degrees um, then it should run fairly freely but at the same time you're going to want to want that extra puffiness from the rice holes Overall impression on a Rogan beer, it's basically a Dunkelweizen made with rye rather than wheat, but with greater body, uh, kind of like me and Tim versus Ryan, uh, and a light finishing hop. I mean, that was a little unfair to us. That's true. Like, yeah, especially compared to, you know, Damon. 
we definitely have a greater body than Damon. 100% greater body than Damon. I was going to go Shea, too, but... Yeah, I mean, that's still almost unfair. Almost. Almost Not unfair. Not as unfair yeah. as Ryan, though. We're a little bit more Greek goddess. That's... Um, <laughs> goddess, I don't know. Exactly. Yeah, we're, more, we're Greek goddesses. We're more goddesses. Greek goddess. I mean, you can't tell me that Athena wasn't built. She was, but, yeah. She oh, was man. stacked. Right. Uh, what's the huntsman? Artemis. Artemis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll take Artemis's body. I mean, I... Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Down, hands down. So uh, raise your hand if you think that our Greek goddesses' bodies um, uh, are on par with Artemis. Uh, and then tell uh, Shay and Josh and Damon and Ryan that they um, have the body of Buddha. Pan. <laughs> I don't know. Phil. I don't know where I'm going with they that. They have yeah. the body of Phil. Phil. Phyllis. From her, from, no, from Hercules, the satyr. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Phil. Especially Damon. He's from No Drought. You should definitely send him messages saying that. So, yeah, go on to No Drought's Instagram and just send him pictures of Phil <laughs> from Hercules <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> for no reason. I'll <laughs> be very confused. Prompt. <laughs> it's going to be great. Uh, at least one person, please. Do it. All right. Uh, aroma. Uh, aroma on these beers. Going to be light to moderate spicy rye aroma intermingled with light to moderate wizen yeast aromatics. Uh, now, this is actually something that's a little bit different uh, from Rogan beers to other Weizen beers, especially when you're using the uh, big Weizen yeast to produce all that good banana clove, is you're going to restrain the yeast character to it. You still want it in there, mm. but it's going to be more restrained than it would on any other Weizen, Dunkelweizen, Hefeweizen, Crystalweizen, things like that. Yeah. I would almost say this would be a fun style to play around with Bonanza on because that clove is the one that gets super, super heavy. Um, Don't. Spoiler alert. Oh, wow. Genus <laughs> is going to do a Rogan beer, and I was going to surprise you by saying I was doing Bonanza. No. That. I mean, really push that kind of bread, that pumpernickel bread, the rye bread coming out of that with the Bonanza, uh, pushing banana rather than the clove. Well, there's only 51 people in here right now, so we're only spoiling yeah. it for the select few that love us. Truly. That's right that truly love us that stick around through all of our technical <laughs> difficulties uh light spicy floral or herbal hops are acceptable um that's going to be uh a lot of your classic uh Sazer types or a lot of the Amer american derivatives um so saws hallertau tetaning spalt uh in the american world that's going to be mount hood sterling uh cluster stuff like that but in a small percentage very small there shouldn't be a huge hop presence you're just trying to balance out a little bit of that uh, Maillard sweetness. And if you get zero of the hop presence, it's 100% acceptable. So you can, it's zero to a little bit of those types of hops. Yeah. Uh, hello to uh, our Australian viewers. Glad you could make it. Ruindu. Also send us beer, please. Wait, is it hello or is it hello? Oh, wow. Is that, Brit is that British? That, What's was, that was very British. Aye, uh, mate. Aye, mate. <laughs> oh, man, we're going to ruin this. Uh, we are going to ruin this. You know, and what's sad about that is, like, Aussie Man Reviews is literally one of my favorite things to watch. <laughs> I absolutely love it, and I can hear him saying that, but right now I just can't do it. I don't. I don't yeah, no. I'm not. We're live, and I'm not going to embarrass myself in front of Australians. I think they're cool. I'll do it. Please send me a, a video of you doing my accent from your perspective. Oh, yeah. To that, make me feel better about myself right now. That would actually be kind of funny. <laughs> Good day, Else. <laughs> 
All right, there we go. There you go. Yeah, that's that's, that's the start. That's, uh, uh, appearance: right. light coppery orange to very dark uh, reddish or coppery brown color. Um, so that coppery orange, it's gonna be it's gonna be bold because of all the Maillard. If you're doing a proper decoction with all those proteins in it, it's definitely gonna darken up the beer. Um, but it doesn't have to have a lot of that deeper garnet hues, and it doesn't have to be that really really deep color uh, or dark brown that you can get down into. Uh, but it can. It can go all the way down to uh, pretty. Uh, dark reddish or coppery brown and uh, light creamy off-white to tan head you're not gonna have a dark head because these don't do not rely on uh, chocolate malts or roasted malts um, although a small amount can be acceptable if you're trying to go for that chocolate banana bread kind of flavor mm, um, I, cloudy I would, hazy appearance I'm sorry yeah no, that's the end of that I would say though if you're using some of the darker roasted malts use something that's de-bittered yeah uh, chocolate wheat if you want a little more roast chocolate wheat would be good uh, black brins uh, or any of the carafas um, try to keep that roasted character out of it and just in that nice little like oh, the dark sweet bread but like the crust that would be amazing that would, that yeah. would be so good that'd be great mm -hmm. uh, Steph says how's it from South Africa do you want to try to but butcher their uh, uh, accent too South no, no I can't I mean South Africa always confuses me just a little bit like it's almost kind of british but like in a little bit more like sings i can't even do it I what's mean, that i just think of that, me, I just I think like of that band the uh, uh, die antwerp they're south african right I, I don't know yeah i don't know i uh, i would say i'm not i how's it is that good is that close yeah I don't how's know. it how's it i don't no, know that's Oh man, uh, Jimmy J says, "What about chocolate rye? Chocolate rye is actually a little bit extra bitter, and so I don't like chocolate rye in this. Um, uh, I like chocolate wheat. Chocolate wheat has a natural fruitiness to it that it, it seems to, I think, push forward in this flavor. Um, chocolate rye is nice because it goes along with the rye theme, but at the same time, for whatever reason, when rye is roasted, it seems to come across a little bit more tannic and bitter to me. Uh, and that's pretty much exactly it. it. The components of what's in the grain." don't make it as appropriate for a Rogan beer as it would for other beers uh, where the chocolate weed is going to give you that really nice kind of dark fruitiness. That's really going to play well with some of the other base malts that you're using in this. Like even using a Munich base malt would be really good in this beer. Yeah. Uh, you're going for, you know, that nice kind of German figgy date fruitness in here and chocolate rye is just going to be too astringent for that. Yep. Uh, Steph uh, says we. This, Steph says I nailed the uh, the South African <laughs> impression. Nice, great. I'm great. gonna believe you out of the goodness of my heart. <laughs> All right, let's go on to flavor. Believe uh, it. <laughs> believe it. Uh, uh, flavor. <laughs> <laughs> Grainy, moderately low. Uh, yeah. Give us a high five if you got that reference at all. Um, grainy to moderately low or moderately strong spicy rye flavor. That's what I call that pumpernickel fl flavor, which is um, underutilized, but actually really fantastic in beer. Often having a hearty flavor, rem uh, f hearty flavor reminiscent of rye or hey, pumpernickel bread. Look at that. Yeah, you got ahead of yourself. Oh, look at that. They even said it on the paper. Uh, medium to medium low bitterness allows initial malt sweetness. <laughs> ah! Sorry, but he died. Sometimes with a bit of caramel to be uh, tasted before yeast and rye. Characteristics take over. Um, sometimes with a bit of caramel. You know our feelings on that. Mm. Uh, low to moderate vison yeast character, banana and clove. Uh, again, if you were to use a clove clipped, I think the banana can be pushed a little bit more because it's a more subtle flavor. Clove is a very heavy flavor, so too much of that clove is going to be kind of off-putting. Uh, although balance can vary. Medium dry, grainy finish with a light bitter from the rye, not hops aftertaste low to moderate spice herbal or floral hop character is acceptable 
um, but again, not necessary. Uh, and it can persist into the aftertaste. I would probably err on the side of not using any hops because they can be combative with the grain flavor. But not using any hops for flavor. Yeah, not use, yeah, not pushing the flavor of the hops. Yeah. That's what I meant. Uh, also, I want to throw back in here this, that sometimes with a bit of caramel, that doesn't mean caramel malt. That means caramel flavor. That's going to come from the Maillard reaction the in dick there. Concoction or the long boil. Concoction. This is going to be really hard to say. Uh, but anyway, that comes from the decoction or the extra long boil. And that's actually something that's really going to help boost the deliciousness of the rye in here. Uh, going to give you a little more support for the rye bitterness going on. Uh, so that extra long boil or decoction is something you should do if you can. The caramel sweetness does not come from caramel malts. So don't use them, Damon. Mouthfeel. <laughs> We're talking specifically to you, Damon, because you're trying to make German beers, so make them in the German way. That's right. Yeah. Mouthfeel, medium to medium full body, high carbonation, moderately creamy, uh, rise huskless grain, and difficult to mash. We already talked about that. So it's going to result in a gummy mash texture that is prone to sticking. That comes from something called beta-glucans. Those beta-glucans are those gums. Um that water doesn't like to run through. Instead of running through, it runs across. So that's why the rice are important to fluff that up. And that's also why decoction is good for kind of breaking down those proteins and reducing the beta-glucans. Uh, rye has been characterized as having the most assertive flavor of all cereal grains. It is inappropriate to add caraway seeds to a Rogan beer, as some American brewers do. Uh, the rye characteristic traditionally from the rye grain only. Uh, I would, if you are going for a very specific flavor, caraway i think would be acceptable if you were trying to make a rogan beer or a rye lager or things like that no the caraway should be for more of something if you're trying to make a rye bread um or a sauerkraut influence you put caraway in sauerkraut at least i can yeah i like it in there actually it's really nice um you're trying to make a rye pretzel beer adding caraway in there because you're going to boost those bicarbonates to give you the soda flavor in a Rogan, if you're really trying to experience rye grain, it's not caraway flavored, and you shouldn't do it. Don't take the lazy short way out. All the way with caraway. It's from a movie. It, it is. History. I, I just thought you knew somebody named caraway. I mean, I, I can put, yeah. Uh, <laughs> History, especially German rye beer, originally brewed in Regensburg, Bavaria. Never a widely popular style yet until we all hear about it and start using it. It has all but disappeared in modern times. Uh, characteristic ingredients, malted rye typically con constitutes 50% or greater of the grist. By the way, that will be very difficult to mash, mm -hmm. um, especially if you use any percentage of that being the flaked rye. Uh, remainder of the grist can include pale malt, Munich malt, wheat crystal, <laughs> We'll just take out that last bit. And or small amounts of debittered bark, uh, dark malts for color adjustments. Yeah, you didn't even say that. Come on, BJCP. You shouldn't do this. You know better. Germans don't do that. They do process. That's right. Come on, son. They don't use Give it, son. You guys said. Give it, son. And, you know, in all honesty, uh, I think Munich or Vienna would be probably one of the best base malts to use in a beer like this. Uh, as long as you have some extra enzymes to add in there, because both of those will not convert the rye at all, you're going to need to add some extra enzymes in it. But to have that extra fruitiness coming from it, uh, I really enjoy personally. Yeah. Uh, ooh. Ooh, yeah. Vizen yeast provides distinctive banana esters and clove phenols. Light uses of Sauser type hops, which we already talked about. 
Um, lower fermentation temperatures. We already talked about that. Decoction mash is traditional. Cool. Yeah. Reverend KY, thank you, Tim, for taking the time to give a chunk of coal like me savage advice on a uh, with a silky baritone. Our pumpkin stout will not suck. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Reverend called us a couple of days ago. You were gone to uh, ask about doing their pumpkin beer. And after a slight scolding of don't use pumpkin, use yams, uh, we came up with a good solution of roasting those pumpkins, getting the good uh, caramel going on the pumpkins themselves to yeah. add that extra flavor to it, as well as uh, separating out the uh, pumpkins between mash and secondary, getting a little bit more extra flavor going on. Nice. Um, and actually, it's going to sound really good. If you're anywhere in the Seattle area, which basically <laughs> to me means the west side of Washington. Uh, then take a short swim over to Whidbey Island. Yeah. And definitely swim because that will perk you right up and the <laughs> pumpkin style will be so much better. Uh, so much better. Yeah. Actually, I mean, I do suggest going over there and having the beer anyway because that's going to be great. But swimming will make it taste better and reverend's gonna send us some also so we'll tell you how it is on a live stream that's right uh yeah okay <laughs> so uh did we get into this i think we got into uh got into pretty much everything in here yeah yeah so and talking about people sending us beers again let's talk about this enchantments real quick this is really really delicious hazy ipa uh i would honestly say it is a little more unique than some of the others the hops they used in it was uh nelson savan motueka uh citra and mosaic so i mean you still have those good danky citra flavors yeah but that extra little white wine character coming from it is really nice yeah it's got the subtleness too that kind of it brings down the back end uh the one thing that i will say is it does have a little bit of still that uh tongue scrapiness the little extra tannin from hot particulates um uh, very, very common, and I would say like 90% of hazy IPAs have this. Um, it, it's almost, but this is, it's not as bad as a lot of other ones. Yeah, and in all honesty, I mean, getting to where it is, that's almost kind of an indicativeness of hazy versus maybe even New England on there. Yeah. Uh, I would say to kind of have that little bit of like, oh, yeah, I can feel the hop oils on my tongue right now. Uh Really delicious beer, actually. I mean, and yeah. super fresh. This, uh, got, what was it, 914 is when this was canned? Yeah. So. Pretty good. Yeah. All the big flavors are there. Um, the, that, that, I would call it the, the blade of grassiness that a lot of hazies have is, is less than um, all the Fremont fresh hop beers and all the Fremont, like, uh, head flows, um, mm -hmm. which is kind of like a style, you know, industry standard i would say here in the northwest i, I would say i mean head full of dynamite is probably one of the most consistently good and uh, it is a, a now keep this in mind that uh head full of dynamite is a version beer they change the hops up all the time but that is a very trusty hazy ipa that you can drink it and find it delicious almost always um so yeah, I mean, kind of, kind of one of the standards. If you make a beer as good as Head Full of Dynamite, a hazy as good as Head Full of Dynamite, yeah, you have a really good hazy. Yeah, and I would say I this, like is, this is better. Yeah, I would say I would say this is better. It's got more of that hot flavor and just a little bit less of that hot burn. Here's a great question from James Castreva: uh, What is the water profile for a Rogan beer? Uh, water profile for a Rogan beer is going to be relatively uh, low overall minerality, um, but it's going to be relatively high in both sodium and chloride. And so, by relatively high, I mean both between 40 and 50 on the sodium uh between uh probably 40 and 50 maybe even a little bit less on the chlorides 
Um, uh, overall, sulfates are probably going to be low between 20 and 30. Uh, your calcium is going to be relatively low, maybe a max of 50. Um, what am I missing? Magnesium, it's going to be, you know, five. So everything pretty much 50 and under is going to be good. And you would lean a little bit more towards the chlorides uh, than the sulfates on this one. So sulfates would probably be between, you know, 10 and 20 on this. Yeah. All right. So uh, one reason I kind of wanted to talk about the hops in this is because it's going to lead us into our topic number one and the beer that we're doing with it, biotransformation. And what does that mean for you? Uh, so for those of you who have not been on the channel long enough to hear us talk about biotransformation, uh, biotransformation is a uh, process where yeast act on hop oils or um, uh uh, soon to be hop oils. Uh, there's something called glycosides that are in hops. And this happens in one of two ways. So the main thing that we think about when we think about uh, biotransformation is a yeast's ability to break glycosidic bonds between a sugar particle and a, a hop oil. So it releases more aromatics during, um, during the fermentation. Uh, the other thing that they can do is they can actually reduce certain sharper hop oils into uh, less hop, hop oils. So like uh, linalool and geraniol, for example, um, which will turn um, some sharper profiles into either a softer like uh, tropical fruit profile, or I think sometimes grapefruit can kind of come out of just biotransformation. And almost every yeast will do that second one, but not every uh, yeast will break the glycosidic bond um, from the first thing that I talked about. Um, so we're talking about today specifically with uh, Cosmos, and Cosmos is a brand new yeast from Omega. Cos Cosmos? Cosmic Punch? Cosmic Punch. That's Cosmic what. Punch. Cosmic Punch. So uh, leading into it, I thought this was a great beer to do it. Uh, Cosmic Punch is meant to be a biotransformation yeast. They took their British Ale 5, uh, which is the London 3 from Y-Yeast, Juice from Imperial, what most people's kind of standard hazy IPA uh, yeast is, which is an awesome yeast anyway. And then they uh, thiolized it, basically meaning that they made it so it can go through tr biotransformation and break off the thiols and break those down into much more delicate flavors. So this yeast is perfectly suited to those nice delicate hops like Nelson Savon and Hallertau Blanc and really pushing out some of those good, low, delicate uh, tropical fruit flavors like guava and also a lot of uh, really good white wine-like flavors coming out of it. Yeah. Um, so we're excited about this. Uh, what we did basically is uh, I took a really nice ba our basic uh, hazy IPA base on there you know, a whole lot of flake stuff, some good wheat, some good oats into it, and some uh, halcyon, because halcyon is, is the best. What you should use is malts. Uh, and then I packed it full of those hops, Hallertau Blanc, Nelson Savon, and then also a newer Australian uh, hop called Enigma, which is also very high in the uh, terpenes and the oils that will be broken down by biotransformation. So it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, the beer smells entirely different than how it did going into the fermenter. And going into the fermenter was amazing. I mean, it smelled great. But it's incredible the difference that this yeast has made in the way that it processes all of those, uh, all of those oils. Yeah. Um, so uh, to give you kind of a rundown on thial uh, what thialized means, basically, is we're creating new aromatics through... Uh, 
through the biotransformation that uh, are aromatic thiols from yeast production. So those aromatic thiols from yeast production are going to be different than the, hot, than the than thiols that come naturally from hop oils, which are usually relatively low, um, and uh, that allows for breakout of, uh, of bigger flavors that would normally be more subtle, such as peach and a lot of the white wine characters that come across with that guava that Tim mentioned. Um, uh, so the reason that's different is because if you're just breaking the glycosidic linkages, all you're doing is releasing the, uh, the natural aromatic oils that are already in the hops. But when you go into uh, a yeast that can actually transform some of those hops into uh, the second of the two things that I said, um, then that's when you can break down some of the more, uh, uh, the more uh, naturally bitter uh, hop oils and turn those into softer, sweeter hop oils. So all the flavors like the peach and the, and the white wine character. Yeah, and uh, all right, so we're talking a lot of science on that, and what does that actually mean for you as a home brewer? Uh, one thing that's actually interesting to know about this is it's something that most of you have been doing already unconsciously with especially West Coast-styled IPAs uh, and using USO5. USO5 or the Chico Ale strain is very good at doing this. And that's uh, one of the reasons that dry hops work so well with USO5 and West Coast style IPAs. And the dry hops that you're using are usually very aggressive hops. I mean, using Chinook, using Columbus, uh, Amarillo in there. They're big, forward, aggressive hops. But through that biotransformation, it really softens them a lot down into that citrus grapefruit flavors that we're used to getting out of these beers. And that's where it's starting to come from is this biotransformation that happens in interaction between the hops and the yeast rather than what the actual hop flavors are getting you themselves. Uh, in the cosmic punch, uh, they've taken that and made it so the yeast works really well for hazies. The British yeast don't generally biotransform as well. Uh, and so that's kind of one of the things in hazy IPAs, juicy IPAs, things like that, where we've been using more British yeast. You haven't been getting as much biotransformation and not the same biotransformation for that. So the Cosmic Punch is meant to combat that. It's meant to give you a much different flavor with a, with a much different yeast. Take the good, delicious, hazy IPA yeast but now let's throw them through biotransformation so we can get some more interesting flavors off of it and not have all hazies taste the same. I'm reading a bunch of wine articles right now about, so, uh, so thiolinization, um, the ability for these yeasts to reduce these uh, precursor compounds into the thiols that we're looking for is very, very common in the wine world. And actually, I'm just reading an article right now about the, uh, the, the effects it can have in um, uh, Sauvignon Blanc more specifically. So a lot of times they're going to end up after thial is, uh, after um, being transformed into a lot of tropical fruit flavors like uh, like pineapple, guava. Uh, peach will work too, uh, but it's not super, super, obviously peach is not a tropical fruit. Um, you've got certain types of oranges, uh, dragon fruit, things like that, that'll end up being. Um, and it can uh, reduce flavors that would normally be green and grassy. Yeah. And that's actually, a, they suggest using the Nelson Savon and Hallertau Blanc uh, yeast in this. And both <coughs> of those are known for giving you some white wine flavors. 
And what this yeast is supposed to do is actually super transform them into the good white wine flavors that you're getting. Uh, the Nelson Savon is known for having a lot of uh, Sauvignon Blanc flavors going into it. And Cosmic Punch is supposed to really help transform that hop into being Sauvignon Blanc flavors. Um, Along it, with the Hellertau Blanc. In, adi- in addition to, uh, to breaking out uh, the, because um, it also does do the, uh, the more common, what we talk about version of biotransformation where uh, it breaks those glycosidic linkages and also just releases more aromatics. Um, that being said, it also is going to be a risk if you're bottle conditioning with a dry hop or uh, if you cold crash right after a dry hop. I have no idea whether or not this produces VDKs, uh, but just in general, if you um, are doing... Uh, a dry hop and this is going to break those glycosidic linkages then you are going to get more sugars in your beer immediately which means if you cold crash your package right after you're missing out on um some fermentation that you need to make your beer all finished and it can potentially give you uh some of those really bad flavors like oh shit um diacetyl sorry diacetyl yeah. Why I don't know why I blanked on that so hard. Popcorn. Uh, that's why some hazy IPAs come. Uh, they taste really good. You put them in the package and they come out tasting a little corny. That one of the reasons for that is that biotransformation. You're getting re-fermentation in cold conditions, uh, as well as close conditions, and it can't blow off those flavors. So no. Uh, keep that in mind while this is doing it. May, you know, give your dry hop a little bit of extra time to fully ferment out with this yeast before you cold crash it. You know. Uh, all right. Um, Joff Nata- Nah Nahashan, are you more a fan of biotransformation or co-pitching to get interesting flavors? Which do you recommend for home brewers? Biotransformation is definitely the easiest. We do co-pitches a lot um, because we have a lot of yeast that's running out. But uh, with co-pitch, you never under, you have to really, really understand what yeast are going to do, and you can never fully predict uh, which yeast is going to be the dominant yeast in the space. Also, there are some yeasts that are natural killers, meaning they will competitively inhibit other yeasts. Um, so co-pitching can be kind of a, uh, if it's a one-off beer, 100% fun thing to do, but also kind of a dangerous game to play. Basically, if you're co-pitching, make sure that every yeast that you have that you're co-pitching with would be on its own a good flavor in the beer, and then... Uh, Hopefully together it makes a more magical majesticalness. And know what you're doing with that, too. If you're co-pitching an English strain with, say, like Belgian Cezanne, that's going to be a little bit awkward. To get Belgian Cezanne up into the heat range where it's producing great flavors, that's producing awkward flavors in English strains generally. Yeah. And you don't – that's something you don't want to mix. And uh, down in regular temperature ranges, Belgian Cezanne kind of sucks and is very sleepy. And yeah. so your English strain might – just out-compete it. Uh, you know, some people are like, oh, let's pitch French Saison to combat that. French Saison is a killer strain and will kill off your English strain almost immediately, and now you just should have used French Saison. Yep. Which is also why French Saison is great to use in mixed firm beers. Yeah. Uh, most of the time, if, it, if you know a beer is diastaticus, it's not a guaranteed rule, but if it's diastaticus, it's m- probably going to outcompete other yeast that are not if not be a kill, killer strain yeah uh was planning on making an ipa with a gin based tangelo peel tincture any good hop ideas for that uh, mm. i think that'd be a good candidate for all the nelson Savin, um Hallertau blanc 
Cool yeah. melon styles. Yeah. Uh, what's a good melony hop? Enigma? Enigma's um, got a little bit of cantaloupe, right? Whole melon. Well, whole melon, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, well, that would be very gentle, so you'll have to use a bunch of that. Enigma, uh, Enigma is tropical fruit with a, a lot of berry flavors. Okay. I haven't used it a whole bunch. Um, I'd go with something that's got uh, a natural melony kind of flavor, but maybe with a higher total oil content than Heel Melon. Uh, yeah. Heel Melon and Halotab Blanc and Sab, uh, Nelson Sauvin. Um, all those are great, subtle, white, winey kind of hops, but at the same time, they have a low total oil content. So sometimes you need a little bit of punch on the outside to make sure that the overall hop kind of comes up. Uh, also, with something like that, I mean, where you're getting the Tangelo peel, doing something that's uh, high in some of the citrus but more of the sweet citrus uh, so going orange uh, bravo can give you some really good orange vanilla flavors and that kind of sweet orange that comes from bravo uh, could go well at a very restrained character or uh, mandarina bavaria uh, has some really good mandarin flavors coming out of it there was an african hop that we used that was very tangerine uh, african queen maybe it was either um, African Queen or Southern Passion. African Queen. African Queen. Um, and getting some of those nice, soft, sweet, citrusy flavors coming out of it that are also a little bit spicy. So the Mandarina Bavaria having Mandarin, but the German spice come along with it would be really good, too. I'm getting too old for all these apps. There's like 150 of them. It's, yeah, ridiculous. Reverend KY, would you ever quarantine equipment after co-pitching? Um, no. Kill it with fire. Uh, it, boil it if you can. May, that's what he means by that. Uh, if you can boil uh, that equipment, everything's going to be dead. It really doesn't matter. Um, and then if it depends on what you're co-pitching with. I mean, no, I get really willy-nilly with all of the French saison that we use back here. And in all honesty, there are times that I spread it on our porous concrete just to see if I can get it as the house strain. One, because I love it. It's one of my favorite yeast. Two, because it's a killer strain. If we get any other bacteria's wild yeast in here that it doesn't like, it's just going to kill it out. We haven't. Where's some wood? Under the table. Uh, we <laughs> haven't uh, uh, had any infections, cross contaminations, or anything like that yet, but we practice very, very good sanitary uh, practices. Yeah, I said that right. Sanitary uh, practices. That way, that doesn't happen. So as long as you're good with everything, you uh, you really have good sanitation practices on there. If you're worried about it, boil your equipment if you can, or get it into pasteurization temperatures. Like down in the steel barrel brew house for some of our long hoses that I'm worried about, I just run water through our hot liquor tank through it for a minute, and that's 180 degree water. Yeah. It takes five minutes. Everything in there is sterilized. Well, sanitized to a level that we need it to be. So. Sterilized, sanitized, yeah. mesmerized. That's right. Now, Esteban Andrade Z, I'm having trouble with sulfur smell at the end of my fermentation in my unit tank. Uh, day one to five, it's fully attenuated and smells good. Day six to seven, sudden smaller sul uh, sulfur smell. I injected CO2 to one bar at day three. Did you uh, off-gas the CO2? Would be my question. Off-gassing, uh, all yeast produce sulfur. German strains are more famous for it, but generally you're colder fermenting. Uh, sulfur is really, really, really easy to get out of beer, and it basically you just degas it. And what Peter is meaning by off-gassing it is 
vent your gas and then put CO2 in it because there's probably the sulfur in the gas that's just hanging out that got pushed out by uh, fermentation. And then you're putting CO2 on it, so it's repressurizing back into your beer. If you just bubble CO2 through your beer, it should strip the sulfur out of it. It off-gasses extremely easy. But because you're pressure fermenting, you're not getting it to release as well. So if you're going to put... Excuse me. I got a couple burps in here. Uh, if you're... Uh, You've got the burps, yeah. Yeah, got the burps. Uh, if you're getting too much of it with your pressure fermentation while you're putting CO2 on it, off-gas it first, release all of that gas first, then put your CO2 on it and see if that helps. Jimmy J, Waiidi, and I'm guessing you're saying Waiidi to the uh, hops that we're talking about for uh, Ruindu up here. Waiidi might be good, but Waiidi is so low in all of its oil and alpha acid contents that might get lost. Unless you're doing a lager or something like that, and that would be amazing. Waiidi would probably also be awesome to go through biotransformation with the Cosmic Bunch yeast. But again, because that, that hop in particular is very light and delicate in anything strong hop flavored it might get lost or you'll probably have to use a butt ton of it yeah dun, 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 dun. all right uh Steph is, in general those new, all of the new zealand triplets are kind of more difficult to use than people think they just look at the yeah. end flavor profile and they so i mean that's gonna be like waiti rakao uh Motueka, Wakatu, all those are all the New Zealand triploids. They're huh. relatively low in to- total oil, have really cool overall flavors, but they're um, they're more difficult to use. Yeah, Nelson Savan be pretty good. In it. Yeah, Nelson Savan is a perfect example of this. You look at Nelson Savan; it has a really high alpha acid content to it, especially most uh, newer brewers who don't know what that all breaks down into. Uh, as well as people just looking for, oh, it's 22% alpha acid. I can get a bunch of IBUs out of it, not realizing how soft it is and how not punchy it is. That hop gets lost in almost anything else if there's an aggressive uh, hop to it. If you put anything with a cohumulone bite with Nelson Savan, it's gone. You don't oh, yeah. taste it anymore. Uh, Galaxy is the same way. I mean, people see Galaxy in everything. It's the most expensive hop out there. And that hop, literally, if you put it with any of the American hops, it's gone. You don't taste it anymore. Now, it does help your beer out. 100% helps your beer out because that's that really good bottom flavor that you're just like, yeah, there's this big roundness, and I don't know what it's from. Galaxy. Alan Neumeyer, thank you for the super chat. Um, DMT producing symbiotic yeast when? I don't know what that means. Um, KO Brewing, how does Lutra yeast do under pressure fermentation? Is it true it needs more nutrients for in any recommendations for mash temps with this yeast? Um, give it all the sugars, so low mash temps. We do low mash temps for all our beers anyway. Um, Lutra can do pressure fermentation, and if you are doing an IPA with Lutra, I would recommend pressure fermentation because of the, uh, the volatilization that's going to happen with the warm temperature that you ferment at. So that means more aromatics are going to rush off if it's not relatively enclosed um that said outside of an ipa i probably wouldn't pressure ferment um i might still spund because i like saving co2 but that's about it yeah uh quike treat it like quike yeah that and that's it it needs all the sugars that it can get after it needs all the nutrients you can <clears throat> give it 
extra oxygen. And even if you're making an IPA, do not be afraid to over oxygenate your beer. Lutra will take care of it. Yep. But like Peter's saying, because it is uh, so aggressive and uh, so fast while it's fermenting, it's blowing off all of those really good aromatics in IPAs. So you want to pressure ferment to recapture them into the beer. But if you think you need to pressure ferment to make a Lutra lager, you're wrong. <laughs> no. In fact, we just made one. What? Four yeah. days? Yeah. Four days. It'll be great, clean, awesome beer without pressure fermentation. Yeah. Uh, all right. Do we steep our grains for some beers? And the answer to that is mostly no. Um, there are some specific beers. Uh, generally, when I'm making a really nice light dark beer and what i mean by that is a true schwozbia uh where i don't want the dark grains to have pretty much any impact except for color i cold steep them first and then uh re-add them into it um but other than that not really sorry that was a question by lemelega lemelega yeah yeah, I mean, for black IPAs, it's the other reason to cold steep. Uh, uh, there's oh, very yeah. few times that we cold steep beers, but if you're trying to reduce that astringency, then, then probably not. Rubber KY, a four-day lager. Hell yeah, four-day lager. Yeah. He also has another uh, comment right up above. Uh, his Dieter is famous for that. It's a hard balance of head retention through spunding and off-gassing. Yeah. Uh, I imagine he's talking about the sulfur. Talking about the sulfur. Yeah. Uh, Dieter, Dieter is Kolsch. Kolsch yeast. Kolsch yeast on that. Uh, and yeah, I mean, that's just kind of the way that it is on that. Every yeast produces sulfur, and you just got to really know how this is such a pretty beer. Yeah. Uh, off gas it and you're good to go sulfur is easy to get rid of if you have it don't stress about it degas it run some co2 through it it'll be gone you're good to go all right so now we're drinking a prickly pear vice 4.2 abv omega lactose 605 for souring and then 091 for fermentation uh you saw the guy that brought him in i don't remember who brought this in i wasn't here that day this is uh KO Brewing. Thanks so much for the super chat. Thanks for the help and putting on the live stream. Anytime. Hopefully we can get back to doing more of this every single Sunday. Um, our, now that we have more people and we're kind of getting out of vacation time, I feel like we should be pretty more, a lot more consistent. A little bit more consistent. Yeah. Well, yeah. We should. We should. All right. Uh, this is a pretty beer. It, um, it is an incredibly pretty beer. I don't know if the IPA is changing my flavor on that. There's there's a smell that's like a it's like a like a plasticky smell almost. It's in the flavor. It's a it's a phenol. Hmm. Yeah, it's not an infection. It just kind of takes the whole beer a little bit flatter, so it uh, downplays a lot of the. Mm. So there also is sorbitol. Uh, I'm guessing from the fruit that's added. So that sorbitol kind of flatness comes across. Um, that's like sweetness, but not sweetness. It's like a fullness. So sorbitol is kind of like the glycerins that uh, French Saison makes. Mm. So there's that. There's also a little bit of meatiness, like a smoky meatiness. I didn't, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm getting a lot of that kind of 
hose water phenol. It's not exactly hose water, so it does. It's not an infection. That's what I'm getting as the meatiness. Like I get it, like a like eating a turkey, like dried like dried sandwich bread style turkey. I know what you're talking. Yeah, it's not wheat meatiness, but it's a little bit more protein meatiness. Yeah, there's. I think it's a combination of, so it could be a combination of, uh, depending on how long this is aged, but if it's a vice, like Berliner vice style beer, shouldn't have been aged super, super long. Um, but there is a chance of autolysis. And then, um, w- with a mixed culture, uh, mixed cultures can produce certain phenols that are very similar to chlorophenols. Um, so they can produce a little plasticky kind of flavor. Yeah. And it's interesting. I don't know. I mean, I, there's definitely some flavors that are not working well, and that's upsetting because this is a beautiful beer. I love prickly pear, and I want it to be so delicious. I think I'll probably still drink it. You know, it's not going to be a beer that... I've had way more off-putting beers. I'm, yeah, I'm not necessarily by, off-put by it, but I was a little disappointed. Uh, we do have yeah. one without prickly pear, so we'll have to try that and see if it's the prickly pear... If it's the fermentation fermentation, or something else in there. So that's, uh, thank you for the beer. We appreciate it. Keep sending us some. That's interesting. Okay. Uh, Ruindu, when it comes to the high ABV and more meaty, and that's M-E-A-D-Y, then beer braggots, how long do you reckon you should age it before it becomes drinkable? Depends on the yeast, depends on the beer, depends on the nutrients, depends on the fermentation time, temperature, all that. It it really does. Uh, Generally, when you have higher alcohol, you should be you should be aging it. Um, Higher alcohol doesn't really it it can produce a lot more off flavors, a lot more fusels, um, sharp flavors because of the fermentation on there. So a lot of the time, you're at least looking at a month to three months. Uh, for things like 10% and above. But that's not always true. Uh, you could have made, you know, a Pilsner Braggot that you need to drink almost within, you know, the first month on that because the light, delicate flavors are perfect at that point and it fades off after that. Um, I would say at least uh, for most of the high ABVs, I mean, if it's 9, 10% or above, I'd probably give it a month before I start trying it personally yeah i mean for standard yeasts for like you know probably 80 percent of the yeasts i would have said 90 percent uh you know five years ago before we had all these quags and crazy strains um but for probably 80 percent of the yeasts three months is kind of the good peak aging time for high abv beers one month is kind of like the earliest you could even taste it to be you know palatable uh but that said now that we've got a crazy amount of yeasts and temperature ranges that we can work with uh, we've done really good high abv beers that we've turned out in two three weeks like 11 plus percent in two three weeks so yes quake has really really changed that uh the best advice i could probably give on that is really start to train your palate on how flavors fade especially in your own brew house over time taste everything as critically and best as you can when you're putting it into packaging, whether that be bottle or kegs or anything like that. And then as you're going through time, go back and really critically think about how you're tasting it and what flavors faded. Uh, so you can better judge your own system on that. Oh, and then 
once you really get uh, into a point where you can know where your beers are going, you can taste it as it's going into packaging being like, oh, this really high, sharp, roasty flavor is going to fade down over time. But that's going to take three months to do that, where this fusel alcohol flavor is going to take a month and a half to do it. And you can kind of put it all together and guess. But most of the time it's guessing until you try it and go, oh, that's delicious. All right. So uh, new challenge. Everyone make a sweet potato beer. So we're going to do the Genius Brewing Beer competition that everyone suggested, right? Um, sure. Yes, definitely. So everybody make a sweet potato-based beer and send it to us. And the best one I will give Tim to. Uh, you know, at least for a day. <laughs> it depends on how much you're going to feed me and True. what you're going to feed me. And then I might not leave. <laughs> then I might not leave. Uh, Reverend KY, how to convince a uh, company to switch from Imperial to Quike? Don't, because Qui Imperial makes Quike. And then just use their Quike. Although they don't use, have Lutra. It's true. Yeah, get some Omega up in there. So... Uh, the easiest way to sneak it is get the new dried Lutra from Omega because those are tiny little packages. And then uh, before anybody's looking, you just chuck it in a beer. And even if, you know, you still pitch your regular yeast on it, the Lutra is going to take over and ferment it out anyway. And you can be like, ha, gotcha. It's a Lutra beer. You I like think the easiest, the easiest way to actually convince the business owner to do it is to say, hey, here is my seven barrel or 10 barrel or whatever you bring on pitch. Um, Here's the cost of it from Imperial because what they do is they do like every liter is $100 and they recommend one liter per barrel. So if you're doing a 10 barrel pitch and they probably do a price break of that, it's probably like $700 for a yeast pitch and say, hey, by the way, Quack's amazing. I can use a ton of nutrients and a ton of oxygen and pitch like three homebrew packets and ferment this whole thing warm. And I just spent $50 instead of $800. That's probably the best way to do it. That honestly is probably the best way to do it. And to give you, mm, that burp was actually really, really prickly Perry. And that was delicious. Uh, sorry. Uh, that is one of the best way to do it. Put it in terms of dollars and cents to them. Uh, relevance. When we do a seven barrel uh, batch with Lutra on it, generally I'm pitching five to seven packages of homebrew packages of uh, Lutra in there and that's pretty much it uh, it's stupid two yeah. barrels I normally use one package and that's about it it's quite you can get away with using so little on it and especially when you present it as hey we can either use you know I think for our seven barrel it's about $150 for the uh, pitch that we use normally or I can use 30 bucks worth of homebrew packages yeah if that so that's an easy way to do it do it that way dollars and cents make sense to business peoples uh Ruindu, gotta go thanks for you uh, thanks a lot to you guys to our amazing beer ideas and brewing inspirations never get bored of these amazing craft uh thank you Ruindu. we appreciate it yeah thank you very much uh joff nahasan chan nahashan He's got a sweet potato holiday ESB on deck, and that excites me. Bring I mean, me like, one. Send us some. Bring it in. 
give us some beer. Uh, Jimmy J, Amarillo and Centennial, good enough duo for a classic IPA recipe. Uh, and should I add Columbus or Simcoe? Am Amarillo and Centennial are actually a really good combo. Amarillo yeah. has a little bit of covite. It's got that t classic tangerininess. Um, Centennial is all the grapefruit and all the class. So you can make, I would say, a slightly punchier Sierra Nevada, like Torpedo Extra IPA with those mm. two hops. Yeah. And it'd be great. If you're trying also to do, do it with sweet potatoes. Yeah. If you're trying to do a classic IPA, you shouldn't be putting Simcoe in it because Simcoe's not a classic IPA, uh, APA hop. It's a newer hop for more newer age. It's beers. got the got the, got the tropical sweetness. Now it's a great hop. I absolutely love Simcoe. You should use it in beers. But if you're trying to make a classic American IPA, Simcoe's not where you should go. I'm a. I, I think you should put Columbus in there, but I love Columbus. If you're trying to do citrusy, piney IPA, Columbus might be a little bit too dank. But it's an amazing hop. So Jimmy, are you it. still on the uh, are you still on the uh, IBU uh, board of people? Because if so, if we, you wanted to do a sweet potato IPA competition, I would fork over a fifty dollar gift card to the winner, and then also want to be a judge. Yeah, it has to be judged here, so we can film it and then put it onto our YouTube channel, which would be great. But the winner will get a fifty dollar gift card and a beer. Yes. And the second place person will also get a beer. They, yeah. Third place person will get a half a beer. Yeah. Maybe a third of a beer. We'll just keep going down. Yeah. We'll get less and less. Less and less and less of a last beer. Last place person will get a sniff The last person gets to sniff a beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jimmy J, sweet potato, cranberries, and forbidden rice beer. Yeah, that'd oh, be good. I'm, I'm into that. Humber for I'm life. Yeah, they will. <laughs> YouTube will give you three forty-four out of the ten dollars. That's not how it works. They give us more than that. It's like eight seventy-five. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, all right. Who else? Uh, oh yeah. Jimmy's not part of the board. Okay. No, no, no. Well, well Jimmy, I don't care. Make that. Make them do it. You know. Uh, would who's it? Uh, Scott? No. Um, I don't know. We'll make our own competition. Brian, and we'll just invite Brian, them to do it. Brian is the well was the president last time I knew. Brian so is? hit Brian, yeah, Wagner. Oh yeah, yeah. Hit Brian in the face with a bag of grain, and then when he falls down, sit on him and uh, you know do the, the whole like stringy spit over his face until he agrees to do it. Also, we'll donate a bag of grain. You, we, uh, I mean, if you bust it over his face too, and then film it, that will be amazing. Uh, took your comments on decoction to heart and brewed a 3D 6040 pills, Red X, Pressure, Cookie Martin. Wow, thanks. That sounds dope. That's a really awesome experiment. Yeah, definitely. Do it. 100%. So 6040 pills, Red X, quick uh, pressure, fermenta pressure fermented Martin. Like that sounds like a clean beer. Like that uh, sounds just like, from our experiences yeah. with using, you know, thirty four seventy. A really nice, delicious beer. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> uh, homebrew read on Reddit that Logan got shipped to Abu Dhabi against his will. Uh, mostly, I mean, he packaged himself in there, and I think he had a fishing pole at the same time. But he did also say, "Oh no, please stop, don't." Yeah. That said, last I checked, he did have a tiger on board. He crafted a small boat, and uh, now he's, you know, most of the way there. 
For those of you who didn't know, the uh, second season of Tiger King will be the adventures of Logan and his tiger in his boat. Yep. All right. Got to catch a lot of fish on the way to keep his tiger happy. Because when his tiger gets hungry. He gets hungry. Matt Weiser, Adam is president. Uh, oh, even better. Yeah, Jimmy, hit Matt. Or, well, hit Matt with a bag of grain because that would just be funny, too. <laughs> we're just, but, telling, we're just uh, telling people to hit random people. <laughs> hit Adam with a uh, bag of grain, and then you have to tickle torture him until he says yes. Yep. Brian gets a beer. All right. Uh, oh, now people are just, you know, using our chat to talk to other people. So, you know, that's wonderful. That's great. I love it. I read on Reddit that Logan shipped out to Abu Dhabi against mm. his will. We already said that one. Adam is president yeah. of CHDU. Unfortunately, I knew it. I'm sorry. You haven't done a brew in a bag yet? Yeah. Crazy. I mean, you know, I don't blame you. Reverend KY, thank you for the super chat. Aliens will find this video and learn how to get drunk better. Something, something. Anthropology, smash like. Logan is not at Guantanamo. He's in my basement. At least he's getting good beer. Hey, Dr. Hans, cheers. Thanks for tuning in to the Super Chat. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I mean, Logan does like to uh, go salmon fishing. So, you he know, does. He, can, he can do some deep sea fishing over there. And uh, he's probably happy. Some deep sea salmon fishing. Deep sea salmon fishing. Mm, I like that one. I like that. I want to catch some salmon. I want to go fishing mm. now. All right, we're about to open up. So, smoke some salmon. You'll smoke some salmon? I mean... We'll just give it to Jerry. Really, Jerry oh, will take yeah. care of it. Yeah, Jerry will take care of it. He smokes some great, great oh. salmon. Reverend KY, you're the man. Um, I can't wait for your sweet potato beer and your pumpkin beer. Your pumpkin salad will be great. But when you do a sweet potato beer and we judge it here on the channel, I'm more excited for that. Yeah. Uh, underrated beer of the week? Underrated beer of the week? Yeah. Something you drank that... Uh, that's a good one. That would be a great segment. Underrated yeah. beer of the week. Beer that people like everybody knows about, but but nobody's like, wow, this is actually really okay. good beer. No, I actually have this from last night. Underrated beer of the week. Uh, my wife's uncle is into home brewing. He really wanted to make the Allagash uh, wit beer and uh, was talking to me about recipes on that. Underrated the beer of the week for me and probably underrated beer of a lifetime is Avery white rascal. Oh yeah. Like I got into a discussion with him last night about that. And it was another one of those things of like, gall darn, I need to go drink a white rascal. Avery white rascal is like what you want whip beer to be. There's, there's no doubt in my mind. It's the best whip beer you'll ever taste. And it's, it's awesome. I mean, it's like a dollar 60 per bottle. Yeah. Or can. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those you find it almost everywhere. You look, I mean, depending on any of your distribution range, I guess. Yeah. It's all over. A lot of people look over it. Uh, I guarantee you put that wit beer into a blind tasting with almost any other wit beer, and it will almost always come out a victor. In fact, you can go watch a video on where we put it into a blind taste test yep. with a bunch of other wit beers and a couple of uh, higher respected ones from Belgium. Yeah. And, Avery was the best out there. And yeah. four of us agreed on that blindly. Blindly. It's uh, it's an amazing. That is my underrated beer of the week. Avery White Rascal. That'd be good. Uh, how much uh, Tyler Kipping, how much Ascorbs per barrel? 20 grams. 15 to 20 grams. Um, 
And Pamela Hakala, can you do an episode on using CBD in homebrew? We've done one on trying to get the THC from decarboxylated weed, but we haven't done CBD. Honestly, to do CBD in beer, we'd probably have to do a lot more research. I'm not saying we can't do it. We probably can't do it in the next couple of weeks, but I, I could see that being a thing in the next like couple, yeah. couple months. A boneyard makes a uh, CBD soda. Yeah. So they're uh, obviously getting it away and having it get into liquid. So yeah, sending mail to them, be like, hey, send us some of your soda. Well, we've got enough customers that make CBD products. Stuff. So yeah, we should we should be should be good. Yeah, pressure uh, fermentation video. We can yeah, do that. We need to do that. We All right, it's almost time that. to open. Okay. Yeah. All yeah, right, guys. Uh, Steph, if you are keen on the uh, THC beers, knowing how to make them, we did do a video on that. It is on the internet. Uh, it, you know, there might be other ways, but uh, we have some out information for you out there. Uh, Joel, actually, this is a great question. Can a non-alcoholic beer be made? Uh, I'm always disappointed. Yes, there's actually a few good ones out there. If you're anywhere near where you get the shoots, there's a couple of really good non-alcoholics that they make. Uh, the new yeast for making out non-alcoholic beers is there's Little Jerry. We haven't seen this guy for months, and he used to come in all the time. It's good to know that he's alive. Uh, anyway, sorry. Um it's more it's really expensive to make non-alcoholic beers right now because of the yeast restrictions on that we'll be getting more into it as that gets into smaller packaging and seeing if we can get into homebrew hands so anyway thank you guys for uh tuning in we appreciate it smash the like button go like our channel like our second channel like all of our instagram stuffs be here next week for when we probably have another live stream definitely most definitely and, uh, you know, keep, keep, keep liking us and sending us beer, please. Please. More beer. More beer.